Donald Jeffries. Donald Jeffries. Author of Hidden History and Survival of the Richest. Host of The Donald Jeffries Show. Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray Valentine. Host of the Infinite Fringe Podcast. Researcher, truth seeker from the Bronx, New York. Tony Arterburn. Tony Arterburn. Radio host, combat veteran, precious metals analyst, and alt historian. Together, they take on the headlines of the week, decode the disinformation, and plow through the mainstream propaganda. Unauthorized, unscripted, and unintimidated. Unintimidated. This is America Unplugged. Unscripted, unauthorized. Unintimidated. This is America Unplugged. I'm Tony Arterburn. I'm filling in for Billy Ray Valentine, who is on vacation in the hollow earth. We're hoping to get updates from him soon. <laughs> but we've got Charlie Robinson here with us. Uh, always great to have you, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good. awesome. Happy to to jump in when Billy Ray is out. I just just talked to him. He'll be the uh, he'll be tomorrow's episode of Macroaggressions. Excellent. I look forward to that. Um, always good to see you, my friend. And of course, uh, one of the usual suspects, the legendary Don Jeffries. How are you, sir? Great. Always a highlight of my weeks. Nice to have uh, Charlie on board uh, in the place of Billy Ray. Yeah, we bring out the big guns. Uh, <laughs> we get we right. up, sometimes upgrade <laughs> a little bit uh, every once in a while. So, um, uh, anyway, we'll jump right into the stories here. Uh, Again, the Georgia Guidestones, they have left room for nature, as they commanded us to do. And uh, this was a, a headline on technocracy.news. Uh, the Devil's Monument, Georgia Guidestones seen lying in ruins after explosions. And of course, uh, well, explosion. And of course, you look back and it was uh, the 7-6 at 4.03 a.m. and 33 seconds. And then... Interesting enough, guys, and we'll talk a little bit about they demolished them like the same day, which is uh, which is interesting. I, I, that happens a lot now. Don and I talked about that yesterday. It happens a lot now in, in in crime scenes for whatever in these big events where we just mow things down or we do a controlled demolition. And how you even get a crew that fast to to do something? They weighed like 40,000 pounds. Of, they're they're massive. And uh, anyway, they, they were able to just get rid of them the same day. So. Uh, Charlie, I want to throw it to you. Georgia Guidestones are no more. Uh, implications? What does this mean? Um, love to hear your thoughts. There must have been a school shooting by it. That's the reason why they <laughs> demolished it so quickly. <laughs> yeah, man. Sometimes, like, I don't know what to. I don't know how to how to how to take this. I feel like this. Is it possible that we could take this as a good sign, as a sign from God or something mm -hmm. on high that that the 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 universe is not ready for the Georgia Guidestones that they've been there for 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 four decades, but we've we've done had enough of them and we've run them out of town, as a good Georgian would say. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, the sim the the symbolism of it is tremendous. You know, the idea that 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 these guidestones really are sort of like a um, constitution for the for the the worst people in the world for it to, to come down in a big pile maybe it was struck by lightning i don't know maybe like the george floyd mural 
that was struck by lightning. Sometimes nature has a way of saying, you know, you media people, we just, you know, we're going to clear you out here. So, so I, I like, I like that it's gone. I, you know, more than anything though, I like that it brought attention to the fact that there were Georgia Guidestones there. There's a lot of people, I mean, in our world, we know all about them. We've written about them. We've goofed on them and, and all of that. But there's a segment of the population that this was the first time they'd ever even heard of it. If they, you know, if they read this story and they go, what is this? And so anytime that we get an, an opportunity to expose these people for what their real plans are and, and, and show the normies out there, hey, these guys, you know, you may call us tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists and that's fine, but we're not making up that these guys are saying this. They're spending money, they're writing books, they're carving stone tablets with this. This is the Stonehenge of the New World Order, essentially. And and for us to point this out to the normies is another, and it's just another opportunity for us to say, look, we're not crazy here. This is actually happening. This is what these people want. This is what they're they're proud of it. They 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 put this out there in the general public for you to see it, not because they're embarrassed, but because they want you to know how they feel about you. So it's uh, to me, I think it's everything about it is fantastic. I don't know how they got a, a crew out there to destroy it so quickly, but but the um, the optics of it are are pretty phenomenal. I would say. Yeah, it's another one of those. Um products from 1979 oh as i am but uh, i go a lot of things happen in 79 i'm going to do a show on that pretty soon kind of a deep dive podcast a lot of things uh whether you're talking about al-qaeda uh silent weapons for quiet wars supposedly tracks back to 1979 and the georgia guidestones i mean uh the commandments to keep uh human population under 500 million perpetually you know and uh, the the leave room for nature is listed twice. That's why I, <laughs> I took the, put the title of my show yesterday. The Georgia Guidestones leave room for nature themselves because they themselves are gone. And I always thought it was really interesting. It, they most likely won't be rebuilt. I've seen some spoof uh, articles floating around uh, social media. One of them was like the Pfizer CEO said he's going to rebuild. This is not real. I looked at the article. It looks it looks like you want to read that and believe it. So the Pfizer CEO would rebuild it, but it, it would need to be six months, six weeks, and six days away or something like that. So I, I got that. It was a good satire piece. But yeah, no one ever figured out who built these. You know, it was uh, this uh, pseudonym, R.C. Christian. And if you, and I'm, I'm really surprised that no one ever really figured it out. We've, I, I made a joke on Twitter that uh, Ted Turner must be trying to channel the ghost of R.C. Christian to see if there's an extended warranty on these things. But uh, <laughs> We really don't know. And, um, but again, they, they did put it in stone. Most people that you're right, Charlie, most people don't know that, uh, that these really even existed or that, that they commanded, you know, the population to be a, you know, a 95% reduction, which is what, uh, again, these are something like this is for people to realize normal people that, you know, the elites, they funded this. This is a half a million dollar project in 1979 in this obscure, you know, rural Georgia. Uh, you, you, you know, that's not done by poor people. That's not done by blue collar working class people, right? That's that's somebody with some generational wealth and a uh, a desire and 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 an enthusiast for depopulation. And that's what the elites of the earth want. They want less people. Uh, again, you're talking about a Bill Gates or a Ted Turner or a Prince Philip. 
They all want less people. That's that's the thing that that's that that theme that runs through all of them is is less people. But it, it would know, be one thing if if at the time of construction of the Georgia Guidestones, let's say we weren't at 500 million people and their instructions were once we get to 500 million people, we should probably cap it because things are going to get if it, if that was how it was phrased, we might be having a different conversation. But when they made those signs, we were well into the multiple billions of people. So it by its existence, it implies a thinning of the herd that it's not it's not a, a, a you know like we're gonna cap this once we get to it it's we've already fully exceeded it and in order to get ourselves in compliance we're going to have to start removing people from this planet so by 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 its own existence and having that as the first commandment so to speak it is um automatically a a tool of or a a uh, advertisement for global depopulation 100%, sir. Don Jeffries, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, Georgia Guidestones, implications, uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, 1979, I agree, was a, was a very good year. It's the year I met my wife, a uh, year that uh, disco was crushed forever by new wave music. So it was a great year for me. I loved it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, the Georgia Guidestones, I don't really, I, I've never understood them. As you mentioned, we don't know who built them. They just kind of appeared suddenly. And I remember all the people in the conspiracy world back then were starting. Actually, it was like delay. It's kind of a lag factor. I didn't really hear about them until maybe 10 years later and people started talking about the Georgia guys. I said, what the hell, the Georgia guys? I don't know anything about this. And then all they were built in, you know, 79. I was like, really? So, and, you know, it has this typical eugenicist stuff on it. But uh, so we don't really know who built them and we know who, who blew them up. Or what happened with all the security cameras around? I suspect this will be like a school shooting where somehow we, we won't know anything. But I mean, it seems to me if somebody blew them up or somebody put a planted explosives in there, or whatever, there ought to be some evidence of it on camera. Again, we have these cameras everywhere that always nab you when you're going through a red light. If they have a, a, a camera on there, they always function well. But uh, in these kinds of events, they don't. So. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you look at it as a maybe it's symbolically it's a good thing, but I really don't understand it. And then parting off the crime scene is 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 a standard operating procedure now. So I suspect maybe it'll just be stuffed down the memory hole with so many of these other things, like you know the death of all these. You know, so when they announce deaths now, they, they literally don't even. What did James Con die of? I don't know. They don't even tell you anymore. They used to at least give you a reason. Now they don't. Uh, do you have things like Alberta candidate admitting you know, the leading cause of death in Alberta is now unknown causes? Like, okay, it's a new normal, I guess. But so maybe they just won't even bother to, especially for something like this. This is a conspiracy thing in Georgia guys. So I, I don't expect the authority to investigate very thoroughly about anything. But it would, it would be nice to know who uh, who destroyed it. Maybe maybe the unknown inventor did. Maybe he came back and decided, oh my god. And he's, I'm gonna get rid of my invention. This was wrong to ever do it. <laughs> I don't know. I, th I think we'll, uh, we probably will never know. And maybe it'll get to the point where George guys are just mentioning it. I'll go, oh, those people just roll their eyes. But uh, I, I wish I knew more about it. So if you guys probably know more about it, whatever. I, I always found, that, again, I found their sudden emergence strange and the fact that nobody really knew who put them there and uh, who claimed responsibility for it. And now, it seems like they went out the way they came in mysteriously and you know, we'll probably never know. My, my partner, Tony, um, 
uh, Merkel, who does who works with me on macroaggressions, had some connection to the guy, the banker who authorized the finance of the deposit. And this guy won't tell him who the RC <laughs> Christian is, but he's found this guy, this old banker guy. And he says, I he goes, I feel like I'm getting close. And this was prior to the thing coming down. This was just over the last couple of months I talked to him. And he said, I feel like I'm... I said, it's, it's weird to me that, that, you know, because he's into like Bigfoot and cryptids and all this stuff. It's weird to me that he, of all people, had the connection or had an interest in talking to this guy. But for some reason, he he's... He's as close as somebody has gotten, I think, to figuring it out. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to him again and remind him, hey, give that guy a call. You know, now that it's come down, maybe he's maybe yeah. he's a, a, a free to, to talk about who it is. And if I if I if I ever figure it out, I will come back to report on it. Believe me. Well, we'll love to have you back. And, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's good to have a mystery. It challenges us. I mean, this is a 42 year old uh, mystery. And uh, I'm just a. Uh, well, I, I'm uh, thankful that I, I I have outlived the Devil's Monument. We're the exact, almost the exact same age, and so I still exist. And I don't want to reduce the population by uh, somebody put in the chat. It was 88 percent reduction in population at the time. Good, good call on that. Good math. But uh, now it'd be like what 99 percent or something. It, it, it's uh, we've we've seen a um, increase in the world population by what about three billion since then, darling? Something like that. I would have to I'd have to go back and look, but. Uh, Anyway, that's just in Elon Musk's house. Well, speaking of Elon Musk, <laughs> uh, headline on Drudge, and then you move to uh, Zero Hedge. The Elon Musk terminates deal to buy Twitter, uh, board to pursue legal action. So Twitter's board of directors said on Friday that they intend to close the transaction with Elon Musk at fifty-four twenty per share, and they plan to pursue legal action to enforce the agreement. Uh, Twitter chairman of the board, Brett Taylor, tweeted the following news, adding the board is confident it will prevail. So Elon Musk terminates his deal to buy Twitter. Uh, anybody who tunes into my show knows that uh, I have um, from the start said I don't think that this can close. I am not an Elon Musk fan, but he was talking about free speech and, you know, throwing his weight around about free speech. And none of the major platforms if you look at the origin story, whether you're talking about Facebook, Twitter, Google, they're built into the government. The government censors, the, the state censors, that they're used not to uh, even monitor so much anymore as they are to squelch speech and control narrative. And that was the that was the um, the siren song was to get off your websites and come over here to these platforms. And it's uh, the digital public square. And then they started curating. And making sure that they can control the ultimate narrative. So when Elon Musk is talking about free speech, I'm like, I don't know that they don't care about profit. If they cared about profit, then they'd be promoting everybody can use these platforms. They've long ago abandoned that model. Uh, so I don't think it's about the money anymore. So I just, you know, expected this to happen. Uh, Charlie, I'll throw it to you. Any any insight on the Elon Musk uh, impl implosion? <laughs> No, I mean, I'm look, I'm not an attorney. I don't have experience with mergers and acquisitions or anything like that. But I but I, I can say this, that that in, initially his con, his concern, and I think it's a valid concern that everyone has, is that there there may be a disproportionate amount of bots on the site. If that is the case, then we're going to have problems because, you know, he made a he made a purchase price or a, a purchase offer at a agreed upon price based on X, you know, less than 5% bots. Now, 
in in the letter that his attorney wrote to Twitter, it it led me to believe, and it could be just legalese, and I don't know how to read it properly, but it led me to believe that that basically they had never gotten any sort of explanation. They hadn't got, or at least to their satisfaction, an explanation about the bots. They'd given them some sort of files and they'd given them some sort of programs, but these files and programs were set to run at like a slower speed and it wasn't working for them. And they finally just kind of said, like, we asked you for this stuff and you didn't give it to us, so we're out of here. Now, if now if that is, in fact, how it went down, who who could blame him for for pulling the plug um, or or wanting to renegotiate the price? If you said it's less than five percent bots, and I find out it's thirty percent bots, well then we're talking about a, a, a totally different company. We're talking about a totally different purchase price. And am I really still interested in this? And what does it do? And how, how pissed are the advertisers going to be when they find out? They've been paying all this money and all the lawsuits that are going to come in. And by the way, you guys lied to the SEC. You said there was less than 5%. There's, you know, so there's a whole lot of directions that this can go. And, um, but I'm with you, Tony. I mean, I don't think that, that when they started talking about free speech, I did like that it made some of the people on their, on the platform or some of the people in management positions at Twitter show their hand a little bit. Like they were not in like free speech, no way. And you're like, Ooh, that's an interesting response to free speech, free speech. You should be like, sure. We have nothing to hide. Sure. Come on in. We're not, we're not doing anything. They did not act. A, they act like a suspicious husband. Like, uh, you know, you want to see my cell phone? Cause my wife disappeared. Why would I, why would I have anything in my cell phone? It's like, listen, you're lying about the bots and we know it. And, and, and by the way, if you're lying about the bots and we find out during our due diligence period, now you've got problems with the SEC. Now you've got lawsuits with them, fines and all this stuff. So regardless of whether he was ever going to consummate this deal and, and, and regardless of how we feel about Elon, because there's a lot of ways you can go with him. He did kind of put Twitter in a corner where they had to start either disclose what they were going to disclose to him in order to make the deal or admit that they're lying. And it looks like he's put them in that corner. We'll see how it all plays out though. Well, you know, Charlie, uh, free speech is hate speech. I don't know if you knew that. My my favorite part of all of this was the Twitter attorney crying. just that alone was worth reading the articles about and thinking about so yeah just the they they hated the fact that there was going to in in loathing anything that was going to be free speech free speech that's not what we're about we're about controlling the narrative uh don you put out an article this week uh good timing by the way uh we'll talk a little bit about (laughs) your piece and free speech uh shove it fact checkers and shadow bands the censorship of dissent. This is by Donald Jeffries on his Substack. If you go to donaldjeffries.media and click articles, it'll take you to Don's Substack. Um, kind of in that same vein. I mean, you know, obviously, I I'm looking at it from a different lens. Um, you know, he he listed the the amount of bots and Twitter lied about that. You know, they've long ago since abandoned the profit model of let's everybody you know get here and let's get to, you know uh, you know free exchange of ideas. They abandoned that a long time ago. Um, so I had my doubts, but. Uh, Don, what do you think? Uh, t- is Twitter now forever a, a a censorship platform like the other big tech platform? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the headline probably could be something like uh, uh, you know, corrupt uh, deep state once again uh, uh, 
avoid threat to censorship or something like that, <laughs> because a potential threat to censorship. But yeah, I mean, you know, Elon Musk, and I remember I got in uh, trouble. I was I was touting what he was saying, but uh, very early on about free speech, and you know, much very similar to Donald Trump. Obviously, these are these are billionaires, and Musk is much richer than Trump, or billions, but. And he has a very dubious background, like Trump did. So he hardly looks like the kind of guy you think was a heroic uh, white hat riding to the rescue to defend free speech. But he was, like Trump was during his 2016 campaign. He said a lot of good things. And as you noted, he brought you brought out the opposition on Twitter, especially and all over the place. The threat they thought this represented. I mean, they were apoplectic on there. Oh, my God, if Musk takes over. I mean, they, they were... And it's not because they had any, uh, they didn't have any distaste for him prior to this, distaste for free speech. So this was, this was, you know, appalling to them. Wow, one of these platforms might not be censored. We might bring some of the people back. But uh, predictably, you know, it, it turned out to blow up and uh, much as uh, what happened with Trump. I mean, all of Trump's uh, sound and fury signified nothing, obviously. And Elon Musk's uh, sound and fury about, regardless of why he did it. Once again, they won. As you can say, this is, you know, I, I quote that thing from James Forrest all, all the time where he told Joe McCarthy, you know, this wasn't a huge conspiracy. Once in a while, they'd make a mistake in our favor. Similarly, once in a while, uh, the side of, of, of good and decency and honesty would win at least small victories. We never do. And this is whatever happened, it's as if it's impossible. For the system to lose on, especially if something is essential, this because uh, these uh, social media giants have become essential now. It would be like if we, almost as to the point where if one of the television networks, where Elon Musk or somebody, some renegade billionaire, took over one of the major networks on a platform, you know, we've got to start letting alternative views on here. You know, there's nothing wrong with these conspiracy theories. I mean, if somebody did that, obviously the entire establishment would react. And respond, oh my God, if this happens, the misinformation will flow constantly. I mean, people will be dying of misinformation. It's the same kind of thing. That's what they were basically doing with Twitter. The idea that misinformation will be out there. And oh my God, what will people do if they're exposed to this? So uh, so really it was a threat not from Musk himself. And Musk continued to, you know, defend his tweets. He continued to talk about free speech and kind of make fun of that side. So I never thought it would happen, but then I, I, you know, I obviously wrote the article before I heard about this that the deal blew up because I thought the deal was uh, was decided and he was definitely going to be in charge because we're all saying, you know, why are people still getting banned? I thought Elon Musk doesn't he have power yet? Uh, but it's 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 just sad because and that's what my article was about that uh, you know, I mean I I'm shadow banned and and the reason why uh, you know if you're if you're watching this or the reason why this isn't being live streamed on YouTube where apparently. I get part of the biggest audience uh, is because YouTube continues to screw around with me and uh, they, they ranked my channel. I appealed. They actually brought it back, shockingly enough, but they won't let me live stream. So I don't know when. It, and, and so that's the thing when you it's not a level playing field. People like us, uh, Tony, Charlie Robinson, Billy, all the all the rest of the hosts out there, even the bigger ones, David Knight. Owens, uh, it's not a level playing field. Because we can't compete. If, if you ban a lot of the ideas, there isn't a marketplace of ideas. And that's what they've done. They've essentially banned all, all the really the, the essential ideas. The people who are pointing out the giant elephants in the room and the naked emperors that are everywhere. Those ones that are pointing these things out, we're not allowed to play in the reindeer games. They just don't let us play. So 
it's pretty easy to, to, to win when you control the debate. Like it's essentially if you, if you play sports and, and you, you get to pick your opponents, like a college football used to happen in the day, you know, or the, you know, the, the Oklahomas or would, every year they would play the little sisters of the poor, as they used to say, right? they'd be able to pick their opponents, but this is way beyond that. Cause you don't even have to play the little sisters of the poor, you know, he's just declare victory. And that's what they're doing here. And uh, they're just dismissing us as inconsequential. And I, I said this many times before that they, when they went for Alex Jones and they deplatformed, he was the biggest name in the conspiracy business, whatever you think of him. He did, nobody defend him, including a lot of the people in the conspiracy world. Oh, I hate it. Good for him. Good. You know, you're, you're cheering on your own demise because they're not going to stop there. And you can see they wiped out all of the, the people, the uh, SGT report, they used to go on all the time, and with a million subscribers. All those people are long gone from YouTube. So they succeeded in doing it. Their CEO is committed. He's a zealot. That she rebels in censorship. She loves it. And uh, nobody criticizes her for it. She's a great American, I guess. But once they did that, they're, they're going to come. Eventually, they're going to get to people like us, the lesser known people down the world. You know, and, and you know, like Substack, I write it. I'm not kidding myself. I mean, they, they probably will um, eventually get to something like that. It's a free speech platform. It's, it's getting, you know, Glenn Greenwald, Naomi Wolf, the big names are writing there all the time. They hate that. They hate the idea, just as they hate the idea of blogs. They hate the idea that any of us, any common riffraff, any of the un, unwashed masses can just go to their computer and type their thoughts and maybe attract an audience and interpret things differently than everybody else does in the state-controlled media without those talking heads to filter it and say, oh, actually, without the fact checkers. They hate that idea. Because that's pure populism, you know, the, peop the people, hey, you put your two cents in. No, you you're not even worth two cents. So they they want to get rid of blogs, certainly want to get rid of something like Substack, something like Rockton or any any of these people, platforms that are arguing free speech and are growing. That's a threat to them. So every time, you know, something like Twitter, as big as that, that would have been a huge victory, regardless of Elon Musk's, Musk's sincerity. It would have been a huge victory to have one platform that, that Merely wasn't censoring people or banning them, where you could go and freely tweet something, and and uh, odds are, you know, you're, it was going to go, and, and people were allowed to see it. But I, you know, I'm shadow banned there now too. Nobody sees my tweets, or and a lot of people like that. Nobody's Facebook. I have the five thousand maximum friends, but you know, I get a handful of responses because nobody sees it anymore. And but they've effectively done that. Even the people like me, where they haven't banned outright. Or even on YouTube, I'm still there, kind of, but I, I, I just can't put out a video where I'm talking about anything significant. So it's, it's, this is deeply troubling, and it's, it's, what's worse is that the people on the left, where I, you know, I grew up and where I still think I come from as a civil libertarian, there's nobody, and outside of Glenn Reedwald and Naomi Wolf, the people that are writing it on, on Substack, there are a few people, but very few, and the fact that nobody is. And you, you'll probably see rejoicing, I guess. You know, certainly the executives in Twitter are probably high-fiving each other. And, uh, yeah, we want another victory. But another dark day for freedom of speech. And what, what little we have, that's why we have to try to support each other and support the platforms we have. And maybe we can, can attract enough followers. Uh, maybe we'll be able to withstand it. But they're, they're coming for us. This, this, is, this, this is a battle, a spiritual battle, and they want to win. Uh, absolutely. And you can see their priorities. Um, if you're a conservative or a free thinker, you're going to get banned. 
but if you're a mass shooter, you can live stream. As a matter of fact, I've had a live stream. I was streaming a, a radio show. It was audio only on Facebook. And uh, because it was linked to some of my friends that were Proud Boys, in the middle of the live stream, it was cut. And this was just a radio show. And this was my San Antonio radio show. It was cut midstream about 10 minutes in playing an InfoWars clip. But if you're a mass shooter, you can live stream that thing. And they don't shut it down. It's just, again, you can see their priorities and you're absolutely right. It's a spiritual battle. Don, it's Don you're doing it wrong. You gotta, we gotta, it's, we gotta rebrand you. It's Taliban Don and we'll get you out there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you your live stream up and running in no time. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we can start wearing a headdress or something. Or there you go. Whatever yeah. it takes. Just get the, get the costume together. We'll figure it out. We'll just, you know, listen, he's not talking about conspiracies. He's talking about shooting people. Come on. Come on. He's got pro, he's got different pronouns. They change daily. <laughs> That's there you go. That's what we need to do. Yeah, start all identifying something. Fluid pronouns. They're just we don't <laughs> know. Just however he feels. It depends on what he ate for breakfast. Uh, yeah. This is one of the reasons we. Uh, this article here is one of the reasons why. Um, I guess all three of us are banned on YouTube uh, or have problems with YouTube channel. I don't even. It's funny because a lot of the folks on YouTube, they they stay there. And you don't see them until you broadcast again on YouTube. And they're like, where have you been? You know, I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. on, Rock, I'm on, you know, I'm on anywhere podcaster found. Um, this is lifesite.news. And, um, you know, Don, you brought this up uh, earlier in your show yesterday. And uh, I went and checked it out while you were talking. But deaths due to unknown causes in Alberta skyrocketed in 20. 21 uh this was as of yesterday over, over 1400 more people died of unknown causes in alberta than of covid at the height of the so-called pandemic in 2021 uh you know this is a serious subject and uh, i take no joy in talking about any of this stuff but you go back to 2020 and we've been living in this psychological operations so it's really hard to get your bearing sometimes but if you go back and think about 2020 uh you know there was an article by bill sardi in october of 2020 i read on Infowars, and it just said look uh we've done the numbers and heading into the last couple of months that's going to be this about the same amount of deaths in 2020 as there was in 2019 right. if you adjust for population and age it's about the same and if you and if you're thinking in that time you're like wow you know nobody i know died i'm sure people did okay it's not it's not a zero thing but it wasn't like you could look in your phone and say well this person got sick and i know this person went to the hospital it wasn't like that but all of us know somebody in 2021 it changed and what changed was there was an introduction of something new right the it, the experimental genetic code injections were introduced so uh, again i'm not a scientist uh but i can read and uh, I can look at, st at stats and statistics, and I know real life, and I know people that are affected by this stuff. So uh, unknown causes, and this is like goes back to the, the One America Insurance CEO, uh, you know, a 200-year event, 40% spike. He's not the only insurance life insurance CEO. I, I'm sure the actuary tables are changing now. They have to based on – they didn't change in 2020. They changed in 2021, or, or they're about to. Uh, Charlie, I'll throw it to you. Thoughts on this story? Uh, is this something that we're going to see more of? Is uh, any you know as far as is this from the 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 genetic code injection or is, what, what's going on here? Well, look, 
much like you. I'm also not a scientist, but I am somebody that is paying attention and is reasonably good at, at, at using, you know, deductive reason. You know, I can, I can, I could take a look at a situation and, and have a, a fairly good chance of figuring it out. This is um, a case that you should most definitely send over to the experts. And the experts, as you mentioned, are the life insurance companies. More so than anybody, their, their businesses depend on it. And their businesses are really boring. It's just numbers. It's just statistical analysis. It's a, it's a studying of death rates. And as traumatic as death is to us in the insurance industry, it's very measurable, measurable and stable and consistent and boring. And, that, and they count on that and they plan their business or, or accordingly and they make billions of dollars because of that, because there aren't wild fluctuations in deaths. So when they see one in 200 year events happen and they see 40% spikes in death, it, it, is, it, is, it is literally their business model to understand why that is happening. They have to take the emotion out of it. They have to take the politics out of it. They have to take all that stuff out of it. They just have to get back to what they do, which is we look at numbers and the numbers tell us how to run our business. And the numbers are telling us that things are going crazy. What's the common denominator? Could be COVID, right? But they didn't say that. They never say that. In fact, they, in fact, they specifically say it's not COVID. It's those shots because of COVID because they're showing, they're saying, well, if COVID was the big thing in 2020, you know, and we would have seen all the deaths and we didn't see all the deaths. We saw them in 2021. What's the common denominator there? Oh, the new special sauce came out. They go, well, that's it. And, 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 and so to them, it is, it, it's a matter of business, existence you know or in the, the existence of their industry to get away from being emotional and political and however you feel about the science and everything it is it, it's a it's a matter of life or death for their industry to get it right and to understand what's actually happening and their answer according to those pe people and guys like ed dowd um who's talking about this as well is look we're looking at the numbers and it's the shot and that's just it yeah, and I had wondered what was going to happen uh, if we did see these adverse reactions. Like, you know, those of us in alternative media who are skeptical of an industry that is completely exempt from liability, and they have been since 1986 in the United States. It's interesting. Um, illegal aliens are not forced to get the shot when they when they're imported in here to the United States and Sherpa up to whatever bus stop to go wherever. Uh, they're not required to do that because, and this comes from the pharmaceutical companies, their countries of origin may not have an exemption. So they don't want to, to be liable. And that's interesting here. We, we, we've been covering this for many years and I'm skeptical of vaccines, uh, not against all vaccines, uh, but I am skeptical. And especially when you don't have any liability. So you roll this out and we wondered what was going to happen. And I thought, well, the one industry that will have to tell the truth at some level will be life insurance. They'll have to change the actual because they didn't ask anybody in 2020, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, I never heard of anything being asked on an application for life insurance. Did you have COVID or did you get COVID? They, nothing changed. Rates didn't change. 
but there, I'm, I'm sure they'll have to be changing now with these types of giant spikes in, uh, uh, now we have sudden de uh, death de syndrome, sudden adult death syndrome. We have SADS. <laughs> And you, you think it's like an onion article and you're like, no, that's real. And they have a SADS foundation. Like they were able to roll that out really quick. It's just, just absolutely bizarre. But is that uh, legal? Like, so, so legally though, what, what is the, the, uh, if you're a life insurance company, all of a sudden you get this spike, you go, I'm not paying out on this. You guys took an unapproved experimental medical procedure. I'm not paying on this. The, where's the approval? Where's the where's all the clinical testing? If I'm the life insurance industry, I'd be fighting this. I'd be like, we're not paying on this. This is, and and in fact, we're hearing that we're hearing that they're saying that we're putting this down as suicide for you guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've heard that. I don't know if that's an industry standard. I don't know if that's what they're going to be doing moving forward, or if that's just on a case by case basis that maybe someone has pushed back a life insurance company, but. They're not in the business of paying out. If they can get out, get away from paying you out under the best of circumstances, they will. But in a case like this, where they have a it like a full spike, and the the reality of the situation is they're on the hook for this. Their their reinsurance companies are on the hook for this. So the insurance companies behind the insurance companies, they're going to have a problem with this. This is a catastrophe. Like there's a they're opening up a can of worms with this. Unless they come, unless there's some way, and of course we know this could happen, that the government says to the insurance companies, you guys should pipe down about this. We'll make you whole on the back end. Just okay. shut your mouth. And we'll take care of this, but we need you guys to be real quiet for now. So we'll see where this goes. You know, if you look into the history of insurance companies, one of the companies that made Warren Buffett was Geico. He got in early, mm -hmm. uh, made made a lot of his fortune on Geico, and he bought uh, other insurance companies for what he called float. Because you have these massive deposits every month, and then you only have to pay out on certain, you know, again, it was just for the for the insurance event whether it's a death or an accident or whatever hospitalization so you're right i mean the government would have to step in and make these companies whole and there's a little known fact inside most in life insurance policies and i think it covers suicide after a couple of three years um and most policies so again maybe <laughs> we'll see how that all fits i mean we're still this 20 2021 2022 uh but i think we'll see more of these uh don what's your thoughts yeah, well, I'm actually puzzled. And, and Charlie brought up a, a basically an allusion to uh, what we've seen with uh, other parts of society. Uh, uh, you know, basically, a part of the stimulus package. We don't know. We still won't really know where all those uh, billions uh, went uh, in the first couple stimulus packages. We know that, for instance, in the, I, I always said, how, why did the professional sports leagues? Why did the NCAA canceling March Madness? How did they go along with this? I, I suspect eventually you'll find out they had to be paid quite a bit. Uh, we know that some stuff has trickled out about it. So apparently the, the insurance companies weren't, you know, given a heads up on this or, you know, who knows, is, is it possible? You know, sometimes you have these uh, evil conspirators and that's what they are who cook these things up. I mean, you can, on the one hand, it looks like maybe this is the calling of the herd that the eugenicists have always wanted. Maybe some of them didn't know that, that it would have these disaster, uh, disaster effects and so many uh, people would be dying. Insurance companies don't appear on this. This is all theater. They seem shocked by it. And rightfully so. This is throwing all our all our numbers off here. What's going on? So, And uh, I think that uh, 
if they had been paid off, we probably wouldn't even know that the death rate had gone up dramatically. Insurance company kind of you know, blew the whistle on that. So they have to address it. And thus the uh, introduction of adult death syndrome. And now you have Alberta saying more people are dying of unknown causes than everywhere else. And that, that can't just be something I think that's uh, you know, strictly uh, in, in Alberta and it's not happening everywhere else. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening everywhere. This this narrative has been bogus in the very beginning. Tony, you brought up, and I'll, I'll go back to that book I'm writing about it at some point. This is a never-ending story. You know, I wrote like 180 some pages, and I, I need obviously need to update it so much because so much has happened. But uh, the vaccine alone has introduced so many new elements to it. But even in the early stages, one of the most incredible statistics was the fact that they admitted there were no excess deaths. Now this was being portrayed as a pandemic. So the death, the overall numbers of deaths really didn't change from before the pandemic to after the pandemic. The greatest, you know, most dire virus in the history of the world, they were telling us. So that didn't add up and none of their numbers added up. But once they introduced this vaccine, this warp speed vaccine, boom, then you started seeing all these incredible numbers of deaths. And even with their bogus statistics, even with you know, using the hospital directive that came out in early 2020, the, uh, the CDC directive to hospitals, list the cause of death as COVID, even if the patient hasn't been tested. And I, I published that on Facebook when they were still allowing me to get out to hundreds of people, you know, before they started channel banning me. And uh, all these things early on, people like John Rappaport exposed them early on. The numbers were completely bogus. We know they had people that you know, died in motorcycle accidents and gunshots and everything were, that were officially declared to be COVID. So none of that was cleaned up. And so that's all that fraudulent nature is still out there. But even with all those numbers, those cooked up numbers that aren't remotely realistic, they still don't add up to the increase in death we need. So as uh, Dr. Peter McCullough said on uh, the now defunct Donald Jeffrey show, one of the last shows I did over there, but it will be revived. Don't worry. Restored uh, future network coming to you. Uh, he said, you know, the only thing that's, that, you know, he explained the increase. I asked him about the increased deaths. Well, there's only one variable that's been introduced. There's only one thing that wasn't there before in the equation, and that's obviously the vaccine. So it's, it's, we're just games on this, but the, the media, the celebrity world, every politician, the scientific community, regardless of how many of them are in on it or whatever, we're planning this thing. They are all vested, and and you know more than half the country, all our families that you know were were fractured from, including mine. These people are so vested in this this absurd narrative and all the fakeness in it. They are never going to admit they're wrong about any element of it, let alone something like the vaccine. They are clinging to that vaccine with a you know and a, a passion you've never seen before. I mean, they're getting. How many of the four or five vaccines, boosters here or there, and they're, they're actually saying, well, when they get COVID anyhow, well, imagine what would have happened if I didn't get it. You know, so we've, we've all heard those absurd stories. They've left all common sense, all science uh, long ago, but they despise us. They, and that's why, you know, families are split up over there. They hate us for being naysayers, a conspiracy theorists, spreading disinformation and misinformation. People are dying because of you. That's what we've heard. Well, they're never, ever going to admit that the dreaded conspiracy theorists were right all along and that they were just incredibly stupid and gullible to swallow this fairy tale that never made any sense from the beginning. But they're never going to. And that's human nature. You know, you don't have, you don't have to be a conspirator 
just your, you know, your uncle Ben or whatever. It doesn't matter. These, these people that have bought into it, they, they're not part of any conspiracy, but they're not going to admit that they're wrong. Like I, I talk about the, you know, going back in history. I mean, there, there's a reason why Meriwether Lewis's body cannot be exhumed today by the National Park Service. Now, yes, he was murdered. He didn't kill himself. His family thinks that. But what the only harm that could be done like, same thing with John Wilkes Booth, you know, a little bit but still, you know, 100, 150 years ago, they won't let his body be exhumed either. No family wants it because it would prove the so-called conspiracy theorists right on something. And they will never admit they're wrong. The court historians today, they still have a vested interest in even things like that because they don't ever want to admit they're wrong. Now, you know, Meriwether Lewis being killed would change nothing about the political climate. John Wilkes Booth, you know, being that changed, it would open some eyes, but it's not going to change the reality of, uh, of the politics of today, but it makes them look wrong. And maybe a few people look and say, oh, yeah, maybe they were wrong. Maybe they were wrong about something else. And that's why they cling so tenaciously to Lee Harvey Oswald killing JFK and 19 crazed Arabs with box cutters, uh, you know, doing 9-11. Because if they ever admit that, look how they demonized us, how they smeared us and dismissed us. And we were right? And you tenured professors from Ivy League universities, you were wrong. And people like me, a community college dropout, I was right. I analyzed this better than you did. They're, they're never going to admit that. It's the same reason they don't want blogs that they think we're, even if they're not you know, actual eugenicists, they have that elitist air about them. They're not going to, you know, they, they, they still you know, resent Andrew Jackson for inviting me. The, the masses into it, you know, after his uh, <clears throat> his first inauguration to muddy up the carpets and the the floors and uh, drink out of the uh, of the, the uh, wine glasses in in the, in the White House. I mean, they don't want that happening. They hate the people. Very anti-populist thing, but they're never going to admit they're wrong on this. And so they have to. They're going to have to come up with southern adults sudden adults death syndrome. They're going to have to come up with yes, little kids can have heart attacks from myocardial damage. They're just going to have to keep it. Yes, you know, unknown causes is the new mystery. Man, everybody's dying of unknown causes. And they'll have scientists pontificate on it. Well, you know, actually, yeah, it's true. Uh, we just never used to talk about it before. I mean, they'll, they'll come up with anything to do it, but will never admit they're wrong because this is one of the great battles in the spiritual battle we're talking about. The people that are seeing this, this pandemic for what it is, it's absurd. The greatest, I call it the greatest psyop in the history of the world. They're never going to admit. They're not going to admit the JFK assassination. They're certainly not going to admit this. And so we just we just have to keep at it. But uh, it's and maybe eventually it'll get so obvious that some other people will wake up to it. But I again, I think they've drank the Kool Aid so much. I don't think they're capable of. Um, well, as usual, well said, Donald Jeffries. I was uh, while you were finishing your uh, breakdown there. I was thinking I get to do a show with two of my favorite authors, and I didn't even mention you. Know, I I didn't give uh, Charlie the proper introduction. I've just done so many shows. <laughs> with Charlie's now it's like, well, you know, he's, he's the author of of uh, the Octopus of Global Control, the Controlled Demolition of mm -hmm. the American Empire, and uh, the hit podcast Macroaggressions. Uh, so go check that out. If you if you don't know Charlie, how are you watching this show and you don't know Charlie Robinson? But if, uh, <laughs> if you don't, go check him out and buy his books. I want to shout out the chat really quick. Uh, we've got about uh, 12 minutes left. And uh, it looks like we got a couple of, of donations towards the Dawn Fund. Uh, you had Riley uh, for $5 and Patrick. Riley Burns. again? 
Ed, Riley wants you to be up. We're going to upgrade Don really, really soon. I'm working on. Thank um, you, Riley. I'm working on some some purchases, and you guys are going to see the enhanced mm. Donald Jeffries very soon. But we have a really active <laughs> chat. Uh, Lisa Bellinger, Raybo's in the chat. Riley, and again, sorry guys, I'm going through. Hey, a Lisa. Tom Cooper, yeah. Uh, Harps, uh, Harps said in the chat, I believe, said that I am built like a Georgia Guidestone, but uh, unlike the Georgia Guidestone, <laughs> I don't want you to to be murdered or <laughs> I don't want you to be depopulated. Um, yeah, but we had a really active chat over here on Rockfin, and we really, really appreciate uh, all of you. And you know, yes, you're talking about much. thank you. There's there's things that are, have happened in the last uh, few years, uh, <laughs> obviously, but the the greatest psyop of all time. But there's been um, in my business in precious metals, there's been a separation of reality, of cost and fiction. And the fiction would be um, the paper markets, like people investing in gold and silver. Like I'm going to invest in silver, silver bullion, and so you go and buy your share of SLV or gld somewhere and it's not backed by anything uh sorry it's just there's not it's not provable that they have this and they, when and when you cash out they don't send you a gold coin or a silver coin they send you fiat currency right whether you win or lose so that's happened and i think more than ever there's a separation in the media and reality now they've always been again a skewed we, we know that mainstream media is garbage uh, but more than ever, they, and it's, even government too, and of course, government and media, I'm repeating myself in the United States. I, I noticed some, sometime uh, a couple months ago, RT on Instagram was listed as state sponsored Russian media. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> my media is state sponsored. Why, why are you warning me about RT and not about CNN or MSNBC? But I saw this article, and this is a great way to to close when you're talking to Don Jerry's and Charlie Robinson. But AP, which stands for Additional Propaganda, uh, put out a piece, and they're really worried about all of you, ladies and gentlemen, um, because they say that the trust is waning and that conspiracy theories are rising. You can choose your reality. And, of course, they, in the article, um, and they open up uh, talking about the war in Ukraine is totally scripted and COVID-19 is completely fake. The Boston Marathon bombing, mass shooting in Newtown, Connecticut and Buffalo, New York and Uvalde, Texas crisis actors. I think I think uh, if you read the octopus of global control and the Boston Marathon, um, I highly recommend that. Uh, and any of Don Jeffrey's work uh, when it comes to this. And this is what I'm talking about. And, and, and you go down about four paragraphs and guess what? They mention QAnon. Here it is. You know, this is the this is this is how they've been able to do, you know, a controlled demolition of the reputation of actual real journalists. Uh, on the day before Independence Day in Boston this year, a group of about 100 masked men carrying fascist flags marched through the city. <laughs> Members proudly uploaded videos and photos of the march on, on online forums popular with supporters of former President Donald Trump and QAnon adherents who believe a group of satanic cannibalistic child molesters secretly runs the globe. <laughs> well, the only thing that's fantasy in the QAnoners, I mean, right off the bat is, uh, is Trump. And I mean, <laughs> who to trust <laughs> trusting the plan, but uh, Charlie, I'll throw it to you first. We, we only got about eight minutes left, so we'll break it up as fast as we can. But um, 
I think we're going to see more and uh, more and more attacks against uh, alternative media and free thinkers and real journalists because they've lost control. I think they've I think they've lost control of what they once had after the last thirty six months. Um, yeah. I want to get your thoughts. Well, Don was mentioning something that kind of ma made me think of this. You know how, how they can never admit that they were lying about these other things, and it made me think of like when you go to Disneyland, you're going to a fantasy theme park. And you see Mickey Mouse, the big Mickey, the six foot Mickey Mouse and everything. And you can never see Mickey Mouse remove his head when he's out in public. That has to happen behind the scenes, right? It would shatter the illusion. It would destroy it for every kid, right? Now, adults take their kids to Disneyland and they, they're in on it. They understand that's not really a big mouse, but they play along for their kids. But they're not going to explain, you know, unless their kid gets really freaked out. They're not going to they're not going to tell what's really going on. They're going to play along with the illusion. The media has been doing this for a while. They can no longer explain that the mouse's head comes off. They can't do it because they're they're in. They've committed to the lie. So they're involved in this. There's um, there's nowhere there's nowhere else for them to go. They've made their decision that they're going to stand behind nonsensical stories and defend them till the very end, which is a great position for us to watch them put themselves in because they are going to be defending increasingly more hysterical and insane concepts. So we're in a, we're in a great spot here. The media has chosen their fighter. They're going with lies and, and they're just making things up. We can show the truth. They're yeah, they're going to say all these people are Q followers and try and discredit that. We know that tactic. We're we're, we're familiar with that. But we're not going to be the ones defending, um, you know, fake shootings, and we're not going to be the ones defending all of these lies that the the media is pushing. We're going to make them defend it, and when they do, they're going to look foolish in the process. So, so I think we're in a. We're, we're at a very interesting time. Everybody's got to be paying attention, but we're, but I think that we win in this scenario because we put the media in a position where they are forced to defend things that are indefensible. And the longer they try to do that, the more they whittle away at what's left of their credibility. Absolutely. Let them own their lies. Absolutely. Uh, Don, let you close final thoughts, sir. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it goes into what we were talking about the, uh, <clears throat> deplatforming of people and censorship because any of us and, and yeah, I aren't saying we're that great, but we're 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 basically speaking truth to power, and so we're 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 making sense and logic. And there's so many. I mean, you know, anybody with a half you know that that's, has a podcast that is talking about the, these kinds of things, let any of us onto a platform with uh, that journalist or any other mainstream journalist. And they're going to go running from the, if it's a, if it's a, you know, a, a debate that's controlled by somebody impartial, which it probably would never be, but <clears throat> let's assuming hypothetically you found somebody impartial and they gave us each a chance to talk and make our points. The other person would run screaming from the stage in terror because they can't win a, 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 a something unless it's rigged. First of all, their opponent isn't even allowed to be there, but if they did allow us on the stage, they'd have to ridicule us and, yeah, almost like even with Trump or something like that, where the, the, the moderator is so over it, we probably, you know, uh, prejudice against him. Well, that would be like on steroids for somebody like us. But if you just allow alternative views to, uh, to out there, marketplace of ideas, you put us on the same platform with these people, 
they would eventually they would have no audience because they have nothing to sell but their own control. They're lying about everything. That's why you have things like flat earth and hollow earth and computer simulation and all that, because we've been lied to about everything. Nobody, anybody that can think should not trust our leaders about anything at all. I guess, yeah, we can see it's raining, but we don't even trust the rain, really, because we know the weather's been geoengineered, too. We don't trust them about anything, and we shouldn't. So they have no credibility. So that's why they would never let you know, I, I've seen so many times in C-SPAN a place like that where they'll let some professor that knows less about the JFK assassination than you know the, the average uh, you know preschooler basically in terms of truth, and they would never let somebody like me on a stage with them because everything they're saying is right. First of all, it would take me so long to deconstruct the lies. I said you literally have everything about this wrong. I mean, everything you've said is a lie. But the impressionable college audience out there is eating it up. Gone are the days when you had Mark Lane, my hero, that used to lecture at college audiences. They don't let people guys lecture at college. They don't allow us. They have censorship on the college campuses again. The marketplace ideas. They know getting those malleable minds. It used to be uh, college audiences were great for people like Mark Lane and Harold Weisberg and uh, critics of anti-war protesters. Not anymore. Now it's all crazy woke activists, and if you're even you know halfway mainstream conservative, no, they'll 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 protest against you, and they won't let you on there. Everything's about stopping the other side, and if you're confident in in what you're saying, and if you're promoting truth, you shouldn't fear debate. They fear debate because they know they're. I mean, I don't know how many of them consciously know they're lying. But they have to know. That's why you know they, they get triggered so easily even when you're talking to them out in the street. You see Owen Troyer and people like that going, they get triggered because they're not used to being countered. They want to be in their safe space because they can't defend what they're saying. No men can have babies. I mean, that's an insane concept, but there's nobody there to counter it. And um, that's where we are now. And so it's it's we have to keep fighting to be allowed, but the idea that they the idea that they still, I mean, the CEO of YouTube that I mentioned earlier, he actually said that um, free speech is a core value of YouTube. I mean, and she presumably said it with a straight face. She didn't get struck by lightning or what she said. I mean, this is amazing that these people do this. They hate free speech. This, this is a concept, and that's why it's so sad to look at in, in millions of our fellow Americans. They no longer believe in free speech. I talk about it all the time and I get lectured. Oh, free speech has consequences. What do you mean by consequences? Who decides what consequence? What are you talking about? And they can never define it. And then the whole hate speech thing. And I, I shut, and then conservatives don't do that. You have to shut it down. As soon as hate speech is mentioned, you say, what do you mean hate speech? Who defines what hate speech is? Hate is a human emotion. Hate speech is incompatible with free speech. Hate speech is thought police. Thought crime. That's what that is. And uh, they have no answer for that. But if you waffle and say, well, I don't think that was hate speech, but maybe something. No, not, there's no such thing as hate speech. It's speech you don't like. So we have to be free speech purists, but uh, we're trying to do it. Maybe, you know, and, and grateful for everybody out there that's listening to it. Spread the word because you need to support platforms like this and people like Charlie. And uh, we, we need to support everybody because uh, we're, 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 the only counter to what's going on and while they while before they introduce an fcc to control the internet completely we have to make our points as best we can so we can stop that from happening so we have at least free at least one 
halfway free method of communication left in this crumbling country. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Donald Jeffries. Uh, tell people where they can find you, Don. Donaldjeffries.media. That's your all-purpose shopping now. Or not shopping, but uh, you, can, you can go there and find out. You can find my yeah, well, yeah, you can shop if you want. Sure, you contribute. There's a big PayPal button there. But uh, my articles on Substack can be found there. My blog, uh, <clears throat> Keeping It Unreal. The archives go back like 10 years. Lots of stuff. We mentioned the Boston bombing. That's that's how I got introduced to Cynthia McKinney. She read my article on the Boston bombing and then uh, commented. I was like, wow, one of my favorite politicians. So it's amazing who you can reach by this. So my books, all that stuff's out there. My talk show schedule. So uh, DonaldJeffries.media is the place. And the fearless Charlie Robinson. Uh, Charlie, tell people where they can find you. The Octopus of Global Control.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression. You can take a look. The books are available on Amazon. They're in, in paperback format. They're available also in digital format on my website as well. And Macroaggressions goes out as an audio podcast twice a week, once as a monologue, once as an interview. And to tomorrow's show, Billy Ray Valentine. Oh, and again, Charlie, it's been an honor to have you here. Always. Thank great you for having me. Sir. Uh, and I'm Tony Arterburn, and uh, Billy will be back, I, I hope, next week. He says, don't burn the place down when he's gone. <laughs> uh, but I have installed uh, sprinklers and mind the exit sign. So if you get out of control, if it's uh, if it's one of those weekends, uh, be safe out there, folks. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. This has been America Unplugged. Arterburn.news, wisewolfgoldandsilver.com. See you, folks. Have a great weekend.